Kia ora and welcome. I'm Boris Lamont and you're listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode where we're speaking with Pete Turner, Auckland winemaker currently with the Hunting Lodge out in West Auckland. Pete's been involved in the wine industry here in New Zealand since around 2003 and most of that time spent working in the Auckland region and working with grapes from around New Zealand. So right now let's go have a chat with Pete. So hi Pete. Hey Boris. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for coming in and joining us and uh, having a chat on the podcast. Pleasure, thanks for having me. And when did your when did your journey into wines start? Well Boris, um, I, I guess never really knew what I wanted to be when I grew up and perhaps I still don't, I just happened to fall into wine but I studied journalism or ended up with an arts degree and then um, post-grad in journalism at Canterbury Uni and then uh, basically finished that and went off travelling. I found myself in France working ski seasons in the French Alps and uh, I made a good mate over there who ran a bar in the little village I was living in and he was a good, still a great, great friend of mine and um, a real foodie and into his wines and so at the end of each ski season we would go on roadies through the uh, Rhone Valley in particular and other regions in France. And I guess that's sort of really where I kind of fell in love with wine was, um, you know, trying all these different wines and um, match with the local cuisine at the time. So realising that I couldn't be a ski bum all my life, I, uh, well, uh, I happened to meet my wife in France as well, even though she's from South Africa. So we came back to NZ and I did the postgrad course at Lincoln University. Right, And then all kind of kicked off from there. So I've been based in Auckland for most of my career, but um, did an internship in uh, South Africa in the Western Cape and obviously vintages in Marlborough and um, France overseas as well. But um, yeah, most of it's been in Auckland with uh, West Auckland and um, Waiheke Island in particular. So going back, did you sort of have an interest in wine when you were young or? No, I mean, I'd... I'd, I'd Guess I only really discovered wine, sort of um, maybe university, drinking a little bit of wine, but that tended to be, you know, um, velluto rosso out of a out of a cask on a big night type thing, right? As an alternative to beer. Yeah. Um, so no, it was probably only my time in Europe that I really truly sort of um, got into it, and that was just you know when you start to learn about the history, and obviously um, the way styles and varieties have evolved in those dif- um, different regions in the old world is um, that's what I guess really sort of fascinated me Um, and then um, you know I was obviously looking for I had this interest in and background in hospitality and looking for something to get into my my sister had spent a um, did spend a short time in the wine industry and I guess maybe there was a little bit of a connection there that sparked things as well yeah, so I, I guess I didn't really know, like most people, exactly what I was going to get into. I mean, a lot of people that I studied with came from, you know, pretty high-earning backgrounds in IT, finance, um, all sorts of, and, you know, a lot of people from the US and uh, the UK as well. And, you know, the wine industry isn't really known for 
being highly paid, I guess, um, at the production level, operations and production level. And uh, a lot of people, you know, had this romantic notion of, of winemaking, which, um, yeah, people do think you sort of swan around uh, barrels sort of all day and that's about it. Um, and do a little bit of work at harvest. Um, but, you know, the reality is it's quite a hard graft when you when you start off in the industry. And so saw a lot of good people that were so passionate about wine, but obviously very quickly kind of um, missed the income or for whatever reason went back to sort of doing what they what they were doing previously. And they're probably the ones drinking the, um, the best bottles of wine right now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, uh, you know, I... What I, I guess what I love about it is the variety that it brings, you know, it's um, particularly when you're working for um, smaller operations, you know, it becomes quite a sort of multidisciplined sort of a career in terms of, you know, you do a little bit of marketing, obviously a little bit of sales, uh, there's the operations side of it. as well as the actual just sort of hands-on winemaking. And um, I think it's the variety that keeps me going um, as well as vintage, you know, every vintage being so different. I think if every vintage was the same, then I'd probably get a little bit bored, if anything. But, um, you know, New Zealand weather, climate is obviously always going to bring us challenges. And, um, you know, that's what keeps it interesting. And some of the most rewarding parts can be, you know, trying to make a decent wine out of a, a poor vintage, I think some, you know, they can be some of the biggest challenges and also some of the biggest rewards is, you know, the the great vintages are the easy ones, but um, sometimes the more difficult ones can be even more rewarding just because of the uh, challenges it presents. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. And so so you were rattling around in, in hospitality? Yeah. I was, yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we're managing a um, bar and restaurant in the French Alps, and mm. um, obviously there's a little bit of wine sold through there, but um, it was more of a sort of pub atmosphere for um, quite a multinational sort of a, a little operation in a um, small village, but in one of the big um, ski areas in France. So there was a tour operators from all different countries from you know UK Denmark Germany um, as well as France so you know obviously got to meet some some interesting people and um, yeah and taste some great wines while I was there nice yeah yeah and so so that's when you started sort of getting interested in thinking you might head down the sort of wine path get it move out of, out of hospitality and yeah yeah and yeah. then so um, after finishing at um, after fi- coming back to New Zealand and finishing the postgrad degree uh, course at Lincoln, I we went to my wife and I um, went to Cape Town and I did an internship for Flagstone Wines over there, which was um, which was a great experience. Um, uh, for the infamous Bruce Jack, um, who's well known in the um, South African wine circles, bit of a tyrant when it comes to his uh, management styles, um, and he, yeah, he he was great value. He um, yeah, he he would always, whenever you put a foot out of line, he would come down and say, you know, that's the trouble with New Zealanders; they can't play rugby and they can't make wine. <laughs> and uh, but I did learn a lot from him. He um, he was a, a big source of inspiration for me. He was the one that, uh, he was very good at, I guess, challenging um, traditions and and norms. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but uh, definitely a source of inspiration when it comes to sort of pushing the boundary on 
on perceived styles and things like that. Um, very innovative with his marketing and, and packaging as well. And um, yeah, made some great wines. So how long did you spend? How long did you spend there with him? So I spent about six months there. Yeah. Um, and then came back to New Zealand. Um, worked vintage down in Marlborough, and then I started my um, career in Auckland working for Cable Bay Vineyards and this was before they had built a facility and winery on Waiheke. Uh, at the time we were making the wines out of Pleasant Valley wines in Henderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a lease on the winery there and so worked for them for a number of years. Um, we would bring the fruit over from Waiheke and make all the wines in Henderson and then the uh, shareholders decided to proceed with building a facility on the island, and uh, which started with the restaurant. And then I was involved in the fit out of the winery there. Uh, and um, yeah, so worked there for for a number of years. So uh, when are we talking now? When was when so was this all? was um, from two thousand and three through to about two thousand and nine. Right. Okay. Yeah, so that- and, and in between was the transition from Henderson to Waiheke. Yeah. Yeah, and that would have been um, a really interesting project, I suppose, because it's it pretty, was. <coughs> yeah, me, it's a pretty stunning um, property there now. Yeah, yeah, it is, and you know, a great um, sort of mix of, of plantings. I guess that's where I um, I've always sort of had a been working with um, you know the Bordeaux varietals um, through in most of my jobs in the industry, um, which I always I've always quite enjoyed. Probably not the wines that I tend to drink a lot of, but um, always enjoyed sort of working with those varieties in particular, and obviously a lot of Chardonnay and things as well. And you know the the island at the time was um, you know there was obviously a handful of of the um, well known producers that had been there, been long established there, um, such as Stony Ridge and Goldwater. Uh, and then there was obviously a number of new players at, at the time as well. And um, you know, from what I've seen, I, I live on Waiheke now, even though I don't work there. Um, but yeah, I've seen the industry come a long way there in terms of the um, quality. You know, it's definitely um, in the last sort of eight to ten years, it's come a very long way. And I think you know, there's some outstanding wines growing on the island. Yeah, no, ab- ab- absolutely. And so, when did you when did you move over to Waiheke during this time? Did you, yeah, yeah, so I moved over um, 2007, mm-hmm. and um, I think it was yeah, and lived there for a number of years. And then uh, things changed. We um, I moved on to a different job um, at Pleasant Valley Wines, where we were doing a lot of contract winemaking um, for all sorts. I was doing some Waiheke wines for Soho. So moved uh, and a number of other people. We uh, sort of small producers around Auckland. We so I moved back to the mainland, um, where I have been based um, since moving back to Waiheke again about four years ago. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Couldn't keep away. Couldn't keep away. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, great lifestyle, great place to live. Um, but uh, you know, I've got the. Um, I guess I've lucked in that I've. Uh, I guess I sort of went from boutique winemaking into um, more sort of corporate larger volume winemaking when I started working for uh, Matua Treasury Wine Estates back in 2013. Um, and I was uh, responsible for the North Island wines there right up until they closed down the site um, in 2016 when it was bought by the Sutton family who uh, 
launched the hunting lodge who I have been with since the beginning there. So I've been at that site in Waimaku, which is the old Matua, original Matua winery site. Um, so I've been there since 2013, but obviously under different um, a different model and different ownership um, right. in the last four years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So I know know the area well. Surrounded by great people uh, in terms of you know winemaking knowledge. I've got uh, James at Westbrook up the road, Corey down at Cooper's, Cooper's Creek just down the road, and obviously the Brakovich is a bit further down and at Cumu River there. So you know it's um, it's a great uh, great area to be in in terms of you know there's some uh, a lot of winemaking experience there and some very talented winemakers. Uh, one of the sad things, I guess, for me is since my career has been based in Auckland over the last 15 years or so has been the demise of, of wineries in Auckland. Um, so, you know, there's a few of us still standing, obviously medium to large wineries. There's very few that are now actually still processing grapes. Most of them tend to be sort of bottling plants and distribution centres and things um, as all the bigger producers have expanded their operations down in the regions, Marlborough and Hawke's Bay, which which of course makes sense from a business point of view, but obviously uh, export distribution and things, biggest port still is Auckland, so it makes sense for them to still have some presence in Auckland. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a bit of a shame really that to see, you know, that it seemed like there was a, a wine, an Auckland winery closing every month for for a while there. Yeah, yeah, because it's um, it has the history, doesn't it, for New Zealand? Um, it does. You know, relatively short that our winemaking history is. It, it is a lot of it is um, was originally out in that region, just um, just west of Auckland there, and uh, yeah. It's urban pressure, isn't it, on the land too? And it is. All sorts of things. Yeah, yeah all, all sorts really. Mm. So, yeah, I feel quite privileged to um, still be living in Auckland and um, and making wine. Mm. Um, obviously, there's plenty of small operations, the likes of Matakana and, and Waiheke and, and scattered around um, Auckland itself. But, um, yeah, there's less and less, I guess, opportunities um, and uh, – I still happen to really enjoy living in Auckland. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's some good wines co- still coming out of that. Um, yeah, that look, uh, Auckland's. You know, I still think Auckland produces. You know, some of the best Chardonnay in the country. Um, you know, obviously uh, can be challenging with the climate and the humidity and the the rainfall um, and some of the heavier clay soils. But you get an interesting sort of um, phenolic structure from those soils, particularly in the Chardonnay and. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Auckland Chardonnay is, um, yeah, de- some of my favourite wines in the whole country. Yeah, yeah, and and just skipping back a bit, did you, you did some st- um, study? I think you mentioned you, briefly. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I did um, the postgrad in uh, viticulture and enology at Lincoln R- University. Yeah, yep. yeah. When, uh, so when when did you when did you slot that in? Was it so that was two thousand and three. Okay, so that's after you did the first stint in South Africa? No, that was just before. Just before that. Basically, I finished that and then went to South Africa. Okay, okay, so came back from Europe, did your studies, and then South Africa was your first sort of gig after. Right, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, and then then came back to New Zealand. Yeah. Moved through, through Waiheke and... Yeah, yeah, and sort of been Auckland. kicking around. Auckland still has me. Yeah, um, yeah. So kicking around since, and um, you know, there's some, I guess, in 
where I am currently at the hunting lodge, you know, it's been a great opportunity. Um, the Sutton family who purchased the site have um, invested a lot of money. Uh, it's a multi-beverage hub now, but there's still a big focus on on wine. And we, you know, we bring in grapes from all over the country, uh, which, you know, it can be an expensive way to do it, but that way you get to maintain quality. And we sort of partnered up with... Um, with some great growers in all the different regions. So, you know, we, we even bring Pinot Noir up from central Otago. Uh, obviously, a lot of uh, juice and fruit out of Marlborough and similarly out of Hawke's Bay as well. Right. So um, okay. we do have the small uh, vineyard on the property still, where, which was planted by the Spence brothers back in the day, so still has some of the original Sauvignon Blanc vines planted there. Uh, how, how old would those vines be now? What? So they would be sort of 45, um, heading on 50 years wow. old now. Wow, yeah, okay. I think the first, uh, first vintage was 1974 mm. uh, for them under the Matua label. And uh, yeah, so they were, would have been planted. They were, bought the cuttings over from California, I believe. It would have been the late 60s, so end of... They would be some of the older vines in New Zealand then, wouldn't they? Yeah, Yeah. and I think, you know, talking to, you know, some of the nurseries, um, the likes of Rex Sundays, he said that, you know, a lot of the cuttings that, you know, filtered their way down to Marlborough actually came from that vineyard, which is quite fascinating. And and so for you, can you see that maturity in the the Sauvignon? Yeah, look, I mean, the vines being that old on you know on their own um not they're not grafted obviously uh we've we've kept a few for nostalgia but I've, sadly you know disease took its toll over the years um citrus tree borer is a real pest um around that side there's a lot of old trees which i think harbors them and uh so you look at these gnarly old vines and you can see through some of them there's like you know they're basically you kick them and they would just fall to pieces but then at the same time every year they get a really healthy, decent canopy and um, and quite a good yield when it comes to the fruit. So, you know, we've off these rows that we've kept, we still harvest the fruit every year. It goes in with our other fruit into our home block Sauvignon Blanc, and which realizing, you know, we're we're never going to get the intensity of, of Sauvignon Blanc like you get from Marlborough. So we um, we do a wild barrel fermented style, which um, has a bit of a cult following, I guess. And uh, yeah, and it's just something a bit different, but also something as a bit of a nod to the whole history of uh, of the Auckland region and, and the New Zealand wine industry, I guess, in general. Yeah, yeah. And so um, alongside that, you're working with varietals, as you mentioned, from a few different regions. Is yeah. That, is that quite interesting then for you every year to seeing what comes in? and Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, obviously, spend a little bit of time down in the regions, um, particularly leading up to harvest, uh, just you know, seeing the um, the way the fruit progresses down there. So, yeah, I mean, it's great to have a hand in, um, and in all the different regions. And I guess in most of my positions that I've been in, I, I kind of been lucky enough to always have that rather than just be purely focused on, on one region. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to have a hand on sort of, I guess, all the common classic varieties that we grow in New Zealand and have experience with those. Yeah. 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 And anything new coming up for for you, looking at... Um so we, I guess, um, you know, we're, we're trying to play around with um, a few alternative varieties. Alberino is one that's been doing quite well for us recently. Um, 
got a great grower um, in the Awateri Valley, which um, produces um, amazing fruit, just um, just great intensity. You know, that's something that I think, you know, New Zealand still needs to diversify a little bit. Um, obviously, Sauvignon Blanc is our strong card, but, you know, it probably won't be forever, even though there's no signs of that at the moment. So we do need to diversify into other varieties, I believe. Um, and I think Albarino is the one that does hold, you know, quite a bit of potential. It definitely has a lot of interest. It has a, a strong sort of varietal character, you know, which is quite recognisable across all regions, really. And um, I think it sort of sits quite nicely with uh, New Zealand cuisine as well. Just, you know, those sort of vibrant, fresh flavours. It goes well with seafood. Um, yeah, so... Oh, that's interesting because it's it certainly... You know, I agree with you about Albarino being suited to New Zealand cuisine. Yeah. And uh, we seem to have a few people now venturing into it and producing you know, some nice quality nice yeah, quality Yeah, and there's a, you know, there's a lot of planting going on. And um, probably the best thing about it is that it's... Um, it's quite hardy. It can, you know, handle the New Zealand climate, even the uh, the rain and humidity, quite well. So, uh, we've even planted like a thousand vines at at the uh, Waimaku Auckland vineyard, uh, which you know, will be a couple of years before they're online yet, but right. uh, producing. But um, obviously, the Marlborough wine will still be our main focus. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I'd be interested to see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got yeah, obviously great natural acidity, which it holds on to for a long time. So you know, I think it can sort of do quite well in the more temperate, sort of warmer areas of of New Zealand as well. I mean, I've seen great examples of Albarino from Northland down to Marlborough. So you know, yeah. Mm. Oh, good, good. Oh, that um, that'll be good to look forward to. Uh, but but the Awatere, you can. Um, purchase that now you're producing that yeah yeah yep. yep. so we're um yeah we're on our fourth vintage now we've had one sort of since the beginning yeah nice uh yeah so we just released our 2020 wine yeah which oh, is good. looking looking pretty smart yeah oh you t- just already released the 220 yeah yeah okay yep. yeah good good all right well that's um good for people to be able to pick up for for summer barbecues you know, absolutely seafood and yeah very good Cool. And, and anything else that are coming up for you or anything, anything lurking around that you're um, looking that oh, you might do? Or? We're always sort of playing around a little bit. We've been, um, we've done a couple of wines recently. We fermented a Chardonnay in some bourbon barrels and also double oaked aged a, a red in some bourbon barrels. And I guess that sort of all came about from uh, spending probably too much time with brewers. <laughs> um Joe from Liberty Brewing is um, is a mate of ours, and we um, you know we've done a few couple of collabs together now, um, and that was one. So he's obviously supplied the barrels which he uses for his prohibition um, stout, and uh, so yeah, it's quite cool just to I guess you know, when you bounce ideas off. Um, off someone like a brewer who has you know complete freedom when it comes to what you you know what you can do what you can put into a beer um, and different I guess uh, tools that you've got on hand whereas in you know wine we've got that one ingredient obviously there's a lot we can do to manipulate style and, and techniques we can use but there's we're, we're relying on just one ingredient for all our sort of aromas and flavours, whereas beer, they can obviously um, trick up a, yeah, a little bit. So I guess it's trying to sort of, 
you know, see what, what you can do um, is in that sort of traditional winemaking space, but um, I guess push the boundaries a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm still looking for the next thing. Um, Wait, so, and what is what varietal are you doing with that? Sorry. So we did a uh, Hawke's Bay Chardonnay. We fermented in the barrels, right, yeah. um, which was called Shardy Jack. And uh, we also did a red, which was a Merlot Malbec blend, um, which we first aged in French oak and then um, spent another must have been close to nine months uh, in bourbon barrels as well. So, And these barrels have come straight from the Jack Daniels distillery. They're crazy to look at. They sort of look very rough, roughly put together, knocked together when it comes to um, craftsmanship compared to like a, a nice barrel out of a French cooperage. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, that's all a bit of fun. Yeah. Yeah, great. Um, but, you know, there's obviously challenges um, in the industry. You know, commercialism is, is always going to be one of them. You know, you, you put your heart and soul into, into some really interesting wines, but obviously they're, they're never going to be the ones that um, are going to be huge sellers, unfortunately. And the reality is that, you know, we all need a good Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc in, in most export markets to um, to try and, I guess, launch some of our other wines off the back of. But, um, you know, I guess that embraces what New Zealand's known for at the same time. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. And, and um, hopefully it's, it's people know you through um, something that's, you know, a bit more um, understood, like a Sauvignon, then they might be a more prepared to try something else that you do because you know, they, they, they trust you as a winemaker. Yeah. 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 And, you know, a lot of the other varieties, I guess we do, you know, most countries um, in the world, you know, winemaking countries that is, produce Chardonnay and um, there's a lot of obviously um, Bordeaux varietals and even Syrah grown in, in many countries. Hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, once, um, you know, on the back of Pinot Noir, obviously, um, be nice to see New Zealand getting a bit more traction with uh, the likes of Syrah in particular now that I think we've sort of uh, really found our own style sort of rather than trying to chase ripeness in a big way and, um, and try and emulate anything from uh, so, um, you know South Australia for example you know we're obviously more aligned with the um, with the Northern Rhone, perhaps, and, um, you know, that more sort of feminine style and um, not necessarily chasing um, ripeness so much, but um, just trying to achieve a sort of more balanced wine, I guess. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah. And you've also got the um, facility out at the Hunting Lodge for doing events and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah we do. Um, so, yeah, great facility out there. Uh, we do a lot of corporate events and um, obviously, yeah, weddings, all sorts of functions. Um, and uh, so the other side of the business has been um, developing into other beverages. Um, so there's a packaging um, plant now. We have a second canning line, uh, sorry, a second bottling line and a canning line um, where we've been doing uh other beverages, anything from RTDs to fruit juices and things, which is, a, I guess, another industry which is interesting to see. I, I'm not so directly involved in it myself, but, uh, yeah, so that's another part of the business as well. Right, okay, nice. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, a bit, bit of interest. And it is a lovely spot. It's a great spot out there. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close to central Auckland, um, a nice way to um, escape 
Yeah. Yeah. And just turn up and uh, think you can just rock up and have a glass of wine and a platter, can't you, out there in the. That's in the, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very good. And so we, we finish up on the question if you could have any glass of wine with anyone, anywhere at any time, who and where and what and when would that be? Yeah, that's a great one, Boris. I, uh, you know, one thing about wine, I guess, is that I, you know, that satisfaction you see where it plays a part in, in some sort of uh, event or gathering or occasion, I guess. Um, you know, a- across the world, it would be, um, I always thought it would be amazing to be able to sort of uh, step out and, and into any occasion and see where a bottle of your wine is being enjoyed and consumed and just uh, actually sit down at that table and meet all those people and uh, and find out their their stories and uh, and ask obviously if they enjoyed the uh, the wine. Um, obviously, that's not so easily done. But um, in no, but terms it's, gr- it's great though, you know. I mean, we, you know, we, we, there's no boundaries. You know? Yeah, <laughs> bit of instant, um, bit of instant travel, and um, just need a teleporter and uh, yeah. maybe even a time machine. We could do those those sorts of things. That'd been, that'd be, that, that, that's great. I like that. Just being able to see your wine being enjoyed at the in the occasion and by who and yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, cool. If if I did have to um, pick one person, I. I had the pleasure of meeting a man called uh, Dennis Goldberg uh, just last year, actually. And um, so this was in South Africa. Now, he was a uh, a white Jewish man that actually um, became a weapons developer for the ANC, the African National Congress, during um, the apartheid years in South Africa and served um, 22 years as a, as, a, as a political prisoner for that. And uh, I got to meet this guy actually when at a at a, an event where we actually cracked open a bottle of, uh, of wine that I had made. And, um, but I only just got to scratch the surface of his story, but, um, you know, amazing history there and uh unfortunately he passed away earlier this year so um i never quite got to finish the story so if i could go back that would be one um would be to go back to cape town um and um and just uh, hear some more of his stories i think yeah wow and uh yeah as for the wine itself i think you know obviously anything's best enjoyed uh in the uh, environment and the regions in which they come from. For me, you know, terroir is a notion, I think, that goes beyond sort of the, the physical realm into something, you know, I think the emotional state is something that um, plays a big part, you know. We all uh, have that um, experience um, of a great wine in a particular place at a particular time. You try and recreate that moment. Um, well, I think you, you bring that wine into another environment and because you're not recreating that moment, the wine sometimes disappoints. So, you know, so that's why, yeah, I would definitely pick a wine from the region, you know. Um, the Western Cape's producing um, all sorts of great wines, um, a lot of good Sauvignon Blancs even now, but it would probably have to be... Um, you know, a cooler climate um, Chardonnay from the Algon region or something like that. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, yeah great. Oh, I like that. That's very good. Yeah, I think you'd certainly um, have an interesting chat with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Great. Hey, thanks, Pete. Appreciate you being on. Cool. Thanks, oh, Boris. All right. Cheers. Okay. Cheers.
We've been speaking with Pete Turner, the winemaker at The Hunting Lodge, west of Auckland in Waimauku. If you'd like to find out more about The Hunting Lodge, you can look them up online, thehuntinglodge.com. And be sure to check out some of the other New Zealand wine podcasts where we talk with others involved in the wine industry here in New Zealand and check out podcast.nz for some other great podcast series on topics here in New Zealand as well. This episode was brought to you by bizibu.com. Let's get your business started and we look forward to your company again very shortly. Hey, kōna mai. Bye for now.